This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich, that's how it goes. Everybody knows. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows. The war is over, everybody knows the good guys lost, everybody knows. All right, well, hello there, and uh, welcome to a, uh, another program, The Conspiracy Show, here on AM740 from Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, from Maine to Minnesota, and all points in between. In the uh, adjacent studio, let me uh, try and draw you a mental picture here. In fact... Tonight's show will all be will be all about drawing mental pictures, if you will. We're going to conduct a remote viewing experiment. And I don't know if this has ever been done on the air. This may be another first in radio broadcasting history. Uh, but again, in the adjacent studio where my technical producer, Dan Ellison, is seated, there are four volunteers in there. And uh, they are at the moment sort of... Uh, in a relaxed state, they're listening to uh, some sort of meditative uh, type music that is specially designed for remote viewing. And the prior uh, two hours before the show, they were huddled together in the boardroom here at 550 Queen Street with my guest, who I'll tell you about in a moment. And she was giving them a crash course in remote viewing. What is remote viewing? Well... It is, shall I say, nothing less than the ability to transcend space and time. To be able to discern or to, uh, to, to view an object, a person, a location that is hidden from them using certain innate abilities we all have. Part of our brain that we just don't exercise, but we can all learn to do this apparently. 
And during the course of the next 90 minutes or so, the four subjects in the other room, and we'll invite people listening at home as well. Perhaps you've heard about remote viewing. Perhaps you've taken a remote viewing course. At some point, my guest is going to, uh, to give some coordinates because this is called remote or coordinate remote viewing. Coordinate remote viewing. Now, these coordinates uh, are not necessarily, uh, you know, degrees longitude, longitude or, or latitude. Uh, they don't necessarily correlate to that. They have some special meaning. We'll learn about that as well. But those coordinates will relate to a specific target that is hidden from our subjects, our volunteers tonight. But again, using the skills that they've learned tonight, they're going to be able to remote view this target and hopefully draw what they see on a piece of paper and we'll have the results before the end of the night. And again, for those of you listening at home, if you have any knowledge of remote viewing and you'd like to try this, what I suggest is you get yourself a, a black pen or a black marker of some sort and some, uh, some copy, you know, some full scap paper and uh, listen to the coordinates and see if maybe you can also discern this target. This is a very interesting experiment we're about to embark on. So, having said that, let me uh, introduce my guest tonight in studio. Joanne Crobot is the president of KnowledgeWorks Global, Inc., She's a speaker, a health consultant, a personal coach and consultant, a master extended remote viewer, and the Toronto City leader for remote viewing. KnowledgeWorks Global Inc. is the brainchild of a woman committed to helping others discover their own potential for creating a compelling life. Joanne Crobot is an inspired, or is inspired to be inspiring to everyone around her, a combination of a dynamic, uplifting individual and a caring, creative vision makes for a unique an impressive pr uh, product, a production that is KnowledgeWorks Global, Inc. Joanne Crobat, welcome to The Conspiracy Show on AM740. How are you? Thank you. I'm so awesome. to. It's so exciting to be here. I'm telling you. I'm just so excited that we're doing this. Has anything, to your knowledge, this remote viewing experiment we're about to conduct, has this ever been done before on, on, uh, on the airwaves, to your knowledge? Not that I know of. I think we're making broadcasting history. Well, another one. Then we've 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 had a few of those this year. Well, thank you for being here. For those not in the know, what is remote viewing? What's your definition? My definition of remote viewing is the learned ability to transcend time and space to travel to view persons, places, things in the past, present, and future. Anyone can learn to do this. Yes, it's a learned ability. It's learned. It's okay. taught. But we all uh, obviously then have the, uh, the innate ability to do this, but you ha you, you're teaching people how to tap into that innate ability. Is that right? Yes, and there's a certain structure that we follow also that helps us. Okay, before we get into the structure mm -hmm. and, and what went on in the boardroom two hours before showtime, definition in terms, is this the same thing as ESP? No, because this is planned. This is specific. It's called upon. Okay. And is it at all related to astral travel, where people, um, perhaps their soul body leaves their physical body, they travel to distant locations and can view things at a distance? It's a little bit similar, but it is different. It's more your unconscious, being able to pick things up. All right. 
the military in the United States and the Soviet Union, we know during the Cold War, invested uh, millions and millions of dollars to set up remote viewing programs, psychic spies, if you will. So there must have been some uh, result. I mean, if, if the government was, was pouring millions of dollars into this, they must have believed in the ability of, of remote uh, or in this skill called remote viewing. What can, I mean, how did you, how did you learn uh, remote viewing? Did you, were you part of a, a, a sort of a military type program? <laughs> no, or? I wish. No, um, I have a friend, uh, Dr. David Morehouse. Yes, no who, David. You know, who you know that is. Um, married a really good friend of mine, Patty DeMartin, and uh, he was in the military, and he was running um, this training operation in Jordan and Petra, and he was shot, and he blacked out for about 45 minutes and started seeing these things, seeing some vision, something coming to him, telling, you're on the wrong path, you've got to teach peace, and he thought, what is this? You know, he's a meat and potatoes kind of military guy, and when he woke up, um, they got back home and he kept blacking out. So uh, some of his buddies said, well, the CIA is working on the mind. Maybe they can help you get rid of these blackouts or explain them. And so he went to the CIA and they actually taught him this remote viewing. And and so essentially, as I understand it, you had a, a room full of uh, uh, psychic spies, if you will, remote mm-hmm. viewers mm-hmm. who were given coordinates um, by sort of their overseer and uh, they weren't told what they were looking for. Uh, but but they might be looking, for example, for things like uh, the location of a downed uh, fighter aircraft. Yes. Uh, maybe they're trying to rescue one of their own uh, servicemen, and he's uh, he's gone down in a plane somewhere over the uh, the Adriatic. Right. They're trying to locate. Right. They're trying to locate uh, a secret Soviet missile silo somewhere. Right. These sorts of things. Is Absolutely. that right? So yes. there is a military application for remote viewing. Absolutely, it's gathering information. That's really what it is. So you are now uh, teaching people. Uh, obviously, this is not a military application. What are the the practical applications? Why would anyone need to know how to remote view? That's a great question. Well, David found this out too. That he thought, you know, this is great. We're finding people and killing them and whatever. What else can we use this for? Well, doctors could do research. Maybe we can find missing people that are, you know, children, adults that are just missing. The police could possibly use this. This is how we started teaching these classes. He taught uh, some officers in New Jersey, and uh, they just said, this is fantastic. So then he taught others, and it just continued. I would think, uh, I mean, the police uh, from time to time do use the services of a psychic. They're very... They're right. very hush-hush about it because yes. it almost sounds like uh, they're grasping at straws. Let's sure. face it, when sure. you, you bring in a psychic. Absolutely. And they don't like to promote this. Mm-hmm. But you're telling me that police officers are now being trained as remote viewers. They have been, absolutely, yes. That's unbelievable. Well, it makes them much more aware. Like what um, David and Patty were saying is that so many police officers that they spoke to after the training and after a few months of using, of being, you know, aware of this technology and using it, the police officers would always say that it just gave them a little bit more intuition as to, say they were chasing somebody down an alley. Well, which way do they go, left or right? It just gave them just that little extra touch of information that they needed. All right. Listen, we'll, uh, we'll take a time out. When we come back... Uh, maybe we'll meet our uh, our subjects in the other room that uh, have uh, been so gracious uh, to volunteer their time and drive in tonight, some uh, from uh, far off uh, Orangeville, and uh, to make the trip in tonight. We appreciate that. We'll meet our uh, our remote viewing volunteers. Joanne Crovat is in studio, a remote viewer, Toronto City leader for remote viewing, president of KnowledgeWorks Global, 
And uh, this is The Conspiracy Show. I hope you'll stay with us for the duration. Promises to be interesting. Perhaps history in the making. Stay with us. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. All right, remote viewer Joanne Crobot in studio, and um, come on in, Joanne, sit down, don't worry. You can make some noise. In the other studio, we have four volunteers, and uh, Joanne has them in a very relaxed state. They're listening to some uh, sort of meditative-type music. And uh, the, what the, the idea here, Joanne, is that they're, they're to get their brain waves into a, like an alpha and a beta state. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So now what you've, you were just in there during the commercial break, and you were giving them the coordinates. Right. Explain these remote viewing coordinates. It's called coordinate remote viewing. And uh, uh, what are co- these coordinates? What do they mean? What they mean are just my intention of the target. So I looked at the target, I focused on the target, and I created these numbers. All right. They're so, random. There's eight numbers, and they're random. Four and four. So four on top, four underneath, and they're random. All right. And in your hand right now is a sealed envelope, which contains the, the – it's written down on a piece of paper. The target. The target. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it, whether it's an no. object, a no person, uh, a location. It could be anywhere. It could be anything in the world. Right. Uh, so imagine, you know, Kreskin sitting here and trying to <laughs> determine, you know, you've got a choice what it could be. It could be anything, and it could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's you know, the odds of being able to discern that <laughs> without having remote viewing skills, I would say, would be uh, astronomical. So for those people that are listening to this program, mm-hmm. and maybe they've heard about remote viewing, mm-hmm. maybe they've even taken a course mm-hmm. from, from uh, right. Joanne Crobot, or they've taken a course from uh, um, Major Ed Dames, or they've taken a course David from Morris. David Morehouse, mm-hmm. who's been on my program many, many times. Sure. If you have had exposure to remote viewing, and uh, can we give them the coordinates sure. over the air right now? Absolutely. And they should have a piece of paper. And, they should. Uh, okay. So why don't you give, give us the coordinates then? Okay. On a blank piece of paper, you can write down 2045-2140, and then your ideogram, which is a little. If you've taken the course, you know what that is. Uh, if what, not, what, it's what okay. You, what did you call it? An ideogram. An ideogram. Okay. Well, why don't you walk us through mm-hmm. then what, what this um, the session here and what you taught them in the, uh, the two hours prior to the program. So there's basically six stages of remote viewing, and we covered two because of our time constraint. This okay. was really a crash course, as you called it. Uh, we taught them uh, just how the structure of the, the form looks, of how you're, how you're writing down all the information. We're, we talked about the coordinates, and the ideogram is just re- really just a line that you draw freehand after you receive the coordinates. And, you know, once you take the course, you'll understand more. We get into really more detail. Right, right. You know, we do quite a few targets for the the whole weekend that we do. We do a weekend course on this. So this is really, again, a crash course. So um, after we do our line, then we describe the line, whether the line goes up or down or across. We then probe the line also. We touch our pens to the line, and then we're deciding whether it's a man-made 
or a natural thing. This target, whether this it's target, man-made or natural. Right, right, right. Because if it's, you know, a man-made building or is it just, you know, a cave or something like that? Right, okay. So we don't know. Sort of so, narrowing it down. Yeah, we're kind of narrowing it down. Absolutely. And then C is... Animal, vegetable, mineral. Type right, thing. perfect. That's this. I love the layman terms. It's so perfect. So C is also, is it a structure? Is it land? Is it land-water interface like a beach where the right. land and the water touch? You know, is it a person? You know, there's different choices here. And you're not giving them any clues. You're simply nope. giving them the coordinates and, and then the you're choices. giving... Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that ideogram is sort of this uh, intuitive line mm-hmm. that, that they... That takes you to the target, which is really, you're at the target now. Right now, they're at the target. When I give them the coordinates, they're at the target at that moment. So are they, because you're putting their brain in this relaxed state with this mm-hmm. meditative music and you're teaching them how to breathe or, or relax mm-hmm. or however, and their brains mm-hmm. get into an alpha and a beta state... Right. Uh, are they so? Th- are they closing their eyes, actually visualizing something? Are they? Let's say, for example, yes. the target was the pyramids at Giza. Sure. So you close your eyes, and you you're actually standing in front of the pyramids. Is that how it works? You could, but you could see parts of it. Maybe there are some, you know, palm trees. Or I've never been there. Say there's some sort of vegetation around it. Maybe there's people milling around. Maybe there are some animals there. So they're writing every detail down. They may all just get pieces. It's like a piece of a puzzle. Everyone's getting pieces to the puzzle and we put it together. So the more remote viewers you have, the better. You never trust just one remote viewer because who knows what they can get. But if, say, the police are looking for something, for someone, for example, and everybody gets a certain chimney right, or a certain car or right. a certain door or something like that, well, then that kind of narrows things down much more. So our five volunteers, and we will meet them uh, a little bit later in the show. Mm-hmm. They're uh, sorry, four volunteers. Mm-hmm. What are they doing right now? As we look through the glass at them, they're, are they? You've given them the coordinates. Right. So they're what following they the structure. So they're doing the coordinates, the line, the A, B, and C. They're just they're describing the line. They're saying man-made or natural, and they're saying whether it's land or water or a structure, whatever. So they're following again the elimination process, the details. That and I so ultimately, them. what are they going to end up with? A, a, a rendering on the piece of paper of what they think this target is. Yes, they'll have um, they'll have details. So they may have colors, they may have uh, temperatures. They may have uh, textures and dimensionals, whether it's long, wide, short, tall, for example. So just details, small details. Small details. but Absolutely. But is it possible that one of them will actually end up with a drawing of what this thing is precisely? Yes. yes they, will do, they will be doing drawings. The drawings will go on the left-hand side of the paper, and they're going to write any other things that they need to on the, on the right-hand side. In the middle, they'll be doing descriptions. They'll do all these descriptions, as I said, the sounds, the colors, and things. Now, realistically, you mm-hmm. you had a, you delivered a two-hour crash course in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. You were able to cover two of the six. Yes. What did you call them again? Stages. Stages. Mm-hmm. So, realistically, since they've only covered two of the six stages, mm-hmm. um, what can we expect? I think you can get a good chunk of information. I'm really excited to see what they get because I know that in the classes that I teach, we do the the targets in chunks. We'll do one target after a couple of stages like this, and then we'll continue to do more complex targets as we teach the other stages. And people get information. It's incredible. It really is incredible. And how much they get doesn't matter. How long did it take you to become a remote viewer? 
And, and uh, I mean, how do you grade? Are you a master a remote viewer? Or are you? My title is Master Extended Remote Viewer because I've taken that many courses in it. And I'll, sometimes I'll see the whole thing. Sometimes I'll just see chunks. It, just, it really depends on the person and, at the, and the target. Well, if you don't, uh, and, and what do you call when you're in this situation, you're instructing mm-hmm. them? Are you the controller? Are you the, what are you? Right now, I'm the teacher. Okay. If someone learns how to remote view, mm-hmm. but they're not using coordinates, let's say I've made a conscious decision that I want to sit down and I want to try and remote view the location of Osama bin Laden. Right. But I don't have, I already know the tar- what the target is, mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. have someone giving me coordinates. Right. How do I do that? The, the idea of the coordinates is that it's your intention. So say we do someone like that, you would put your intention into that person, for example, not really at them, but you would just think of the person, and then you would create your coordinates. Whatever coordinates you give are unique at that time, and that's fine. When the person does the session, they will start getting information. Now, if the person's moving, then who knows what you might get. That's the only thing. You don't know if he's moving around. Right, right. Right, like literally, someone could be driving their car. Joanne Crobot is uh, in studio, remote viewer. Again, in studio, the adjacent studio, for volunteer subjects who will attempt to remote view a target that's been hidden from them, and uh, it's been written down, it's in an envelope right in front of me, uh, and they've been given coordinates. And uh, prior to the the, uh, the program, they were given a two-hour crash course on remote viewing. This is something anyone can learn. And what is remote viewing? Again, nothing less than the ability to transcend time and uh, space. Now, uh, when we come back, you know what? We'll also open open up the phone lines. And uh, if you have questions about remote viewing, we'd love to hear from you. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Those are your coordinates. And 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. Toll free from just about anywhere. Remote viewing. What are the possibilities? Transcending time and space here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. We'll hear from an old friend of the program a little bit later in the evening. The dinosaur hunter, Dr. William Gibbons, will be along. He'll tell us what he's been up to. This is a man who's been tracking living dinosaurs in the far-flung corners of the world. Yes, I'm not talking about uh, alligators or coelacanths. Uh, Those are... Uh, uh, living dinosaurs, if, if you will. But we're talking about actual living dinosaurs, the kind, the kinds we were told uh, have been extinct for about 60 million years. In fact, in uh, south-central Africa, uh, there is a, uh, a, uh, a group of people, they're pygmies, and uh, they claim that uh, there is an animal stomping around in the, uh, the vast swamps of uh, uh, the Congo and the Central African Republic that resembles a, uh, a seropod about the size of what we used to call a brontosaurus, but I think they now refer to them as apotosauruses. And uh, uh, Dr. Bill Gibbons has been to, to Africa on a number of expeditions. He's gearing up for another one later this year. He's got a new book out. Uh, he's a, a, a creation scientist. He is an explorer, and uh, he'll be along to uh, to give us an update on, uh, I guess, the the world of cryptozoology. Some uh, some sightings of uh, strange creatures around the world, whether it's dinosaurs, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster. That's his beat, and he'll be with us a little bit later. And also, 
another visit from an old friend, Vlad Eisengrim, the fiendish proprietor of the Carnival Diablo's World of Wonders. And uh, he's got a new, a new show called The Paranormal Show, and we'll tell you all about that. Uh, it'll take you back to Victorian times, and it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, stage presentation. The Paranormal Show, coming to a venue near you, and we'll talk to him about that. Vlad, Vlad Eisengrim and the Dinosaur Hunter, all upcoming on The Conspiracy Show. Right now, again, conducting a remote viewing experiment. Five, or sorry, four, four volunteers in the adjacent studio. They've been given coordinates. They've been given a crash course in remote viewing, and hopefully by the uh, the end of the evening, they'll be able to discern a target that's been hidden from them uh, just using their skills, uh, uh, their innate skills of remote viewing and uh, the coordinates that have been supplied by our in-studio guest, Joanne Crobot. And uh, she is the president of Knowledge Works Global, Inc. and uh, the Toronto City Leader for Remote Viewing. Transcending Space and Time, Joanne. That, to me, suggests not only viewing... A, a target uh, in the here and now, whether it's, uh, you know, as I said, the pyramids at Giza or a, uh, a treasure chest at the, uh, the bottom of the Red Sea, what have you. But it also suggests time travel. This means that you, could, you can remote view an event in the past or in the future. Is that correct? Yes. How, pray tell, would that work? I mean, uh, how, how can you teach someone to remote view an event, let's say, let's say the, the uh, going back 2,000 years, to remote view the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, to see, mm-hmm. in fact, if it actually happened. Could you do that? If you have a date, we could do that. If you, you want to put your intention, assuming it happened. Yes. Let's, let's do that, because I'm not going to get into that discussion, but we weren't there. So, uh, assuming it happened whatever the event is, let's say, you put your intention towards that, you do your coordinates, and the target is created. Okay, let's, let's, yeah, the, the, the crucifixion, I mean, first of all, it, it's, it, it would be very difficult to, 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 uh, to narrow down a specific time, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing you'd have to be very precise. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's take an historical event where we can be very specific. Mm-hmm. November 22nd, noon, give or take a few minutes, Daly Plaza, 1963. Sure. You know, you could you could remote view. Mm-hmm. Your, you could be then standing on the Absolutely. grassy knoll and witnessing the Kennedy assassination. Yes. Are you actually there, or are you essentially looking at a painting? If you know what I mean. You're there because things are moving. Things can be moving. I've heard um, sounds. I was in uh, one target where I heard some loud cannon go off beside me. Right. Uh, so it's like you're like it kind of in a movie. Can you interact with your environment if there was a person standing? Let's say you're standing right next to Zapruder, who's mm-hmm. who, you know he's got the uh, the, the 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 movie camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you actually tap him on the shoulder and say, "Hey, you"? You really? It's, I don't think so. I've never done that. I know that uh, when we've done a live target in present time, then people have actually been able to see each other. But in past time, I have not communicated with anybody personally. Is there any ethical, I mean, 
are there ethical guidelines that might, you know, when you think of like, for, mm-hmm. for example, in Star Trek, the Prime Directive, yep. you're not supposed to interfere with the civilization. Right. Uh, when you when you get into time travel, you have something called the grandfather uh, the paradox, mm-hmm. where if you you know you run right. over your grandmother exactly. accidentally, you'll disappear because That's you never right. would have been born. Are there yeah. similar guidelines for remote viewing? There are, especially I think the main one really. I'm glad you brought this up. The main one is really not to get into somebody's head. People always think, you know, they can do remote influencing. Well, no, we don't want to do that. But you could. You could, but really that's a big no-no. But in the military, I mean, that would be an interesting application. You're saying that you could maybe even... They have in the military. They wanted to find out, you know, know, what Saddam Hussein was, what his people around him were thinking. How were they feeling? That's huge. Could you do psychic or physical harm from a distance? Could you assassinate Yuri Andropov, the former premier of the Soviet Union, from a distance using remote viewing? I don't think people are that strong. There is the, you know, the movie Men Who Stare at Goats. Yes. Right, with George Clooney. Um, and those people were working in the remote viewing. You know, they were connected. And, uh, and again, it's intention. It's all intention and in how you do it. I personally haven't done that. So I don't want to speak too much about it because I don't know that much personally about it. Right, right. You know, I've kind of read about it and I haven't seen the movie yet. But, you know, I haven't delved into that much or done a lot of research. But it's your intention. It's all your intention. And what is your intention? Do you want to have a good intention or a bad intention in this world? You know, it goes from there. Let's go back to the the transcending time. Mm -hmm. And going back, again, we'll use the Kennedy assassination as an example. So you're there on the grassy knoll. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you seeing... The objective event, or are you seeing the event through objective eyes, or is it tainted uh, by your own, well, the, the human condition, uh, just as any eyewitness sees things, uh, uh, you know, differently? I understand. Um, it's not tainted, but sometimes it could be. Sometimes you're, you're going in objectively. That's the whole idea, that you don't bring your emotions, you don't bring your issues, you don't bring your judgments, nothing. Because some people will say, oh, I didn't get anything, or oh, I got so much, I didn't know what to do with it, or I never wrote that down. You, the idea is that you're gathering information, so you just gather information. No matter, You get a pink elephant, write it down. I don't care, right? It doesn't matter. The whole idea is you're getting information, and you're going to give it to someone to, to sort of decipher and to gather. But if I go into, if I go into this uh, remote viewing session... Um, and I've, you know, I've studied the Kennedy assassination. I've done mm-hmm. a, a million shows about sure. it. I, and I'm going into that pretty well convinced mm-hmm. that Oswald didn't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. He was, there was a triangulation. He was sure. shot from the grassy knoll and sure. maybe three or four other locations. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to go back in, in time and read. Yeah, you can check it view. out. You can check it out. You may have to do a few sessions. I think, from what you're saying, you know, if there's that many people involved, right? I think you may have to do a few sessions. But you can certainly look into once we get into more of the stages, into the history, into what's behind the scenes of what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Because there's some bi-location things where you'll be, begin to feel things. Like we did uh, one location. I won't tell you what it is because we haven't opened the envelope yet. But one location that we did, and I started crying. And I'm thinking, why am I crying? I have no idea why I'm crying. But I feel horrible. Oh, my God, this is horribly sad. I have no idea. Well, there were prisoners and things in that target, I found out. And people were committing suicide from there and things like wherever the target was that we were doing. Right. So, But I felt that. And I had no idea. I'm like, why am I crying? This is so bizarre. I'm in the middle of a class. I'm 
bawling. And, you know, David was just saying, well, well you'll find out later when we, when we tell you what the target is. So when he told us, it's like, oh, there's people that were dying from there. So somehow I was picking up some sort of stressed emotion coming from there. We're told that the military shut these programs down. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them at least, I think. Uh, I, I, I don't say this in a flippant or challenging manner. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. just curious. Mm-hmm. If, they, if remote viewing is so effective, you mm-hmm. would think... I mean, especially given the state of the world now and, uh, you know, uh, mm. terrorist threats, mm. supposedly, uh, uh, this would be a perfect time for, you know, this sure. remote viewing program Surely. to be revised. Why do of they course. shut it down if it works? Well, because it works. Because they can use it for, for good. You know, I mean, I'm kind of... No, but why did the military shut the program down? Well, because they shut this one down because I think they wanted to keep everything secret. And when David came forward and started writing this book and they tried to kill him and the whole story behind him and his book, Psychic Warrior, um, the government, oh, my God, we better shut this down because we don't want anyone to know what we're doing, even though it wasn't very nice. Right, right. At times. So officially, maybe they've shut it down, but you suspect that unofficially it's still... Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I don't have proof, obviously, no. but I mean, come on, you'd think, of course, they're going to keep it going. And maybe not for good. I mean, David was always asked in the class, well, what if this gets into the wrong hands? And he said, well, it was already in the wrong hands. The government had it. Right, right. Right? I mean, you don't, you don't know. Do you suspect right now that there are remote viewers trying to determine the, the location of, I don't know, Osama bin Laden? Probably. I, I think maybe the, what they'll do is they, they may look around people around him. If you believe they should even be looking for him. Right. It's a whole other show. Joanne Crobot is with us, Toronto remote viewer. Knowledgeworksglobal.com, the website. She's the president. Uh, if people want to learn how to remote view, mm-hmm. they can just, uh, you, you, you're holding workshops in yeah, the city periodically? Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's yeah. a schedule yeah. on the website? Yeah, um, I haven't made one up for this year yet. Usually we, do, we start them in April. So we'll and, get them going uh, shortly. Typically, what is it, a weekend course? It's a weekend course. It's all day Saturday from 9 to 9 and Sunday 9 to 6. Typically, who's coming to you to learn how to remote view? Gosh, anybody. People that maybe are a little bit into more of the psychic type things or just curious. There's also people that are just like engineers that are just interested because it is a science. It's the science of remote viewing, literally. Now, we have, again, our four volunteers in there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had uh, Deb, Donna, Mike, and Albert. Mm Mm-hmm. I just uh, I sent out a mass email to my uh, my listeners, my email group, and uh, these uh, were the first four that got back to me. I didn't use any scientific sort of vetting process right, at all. Right. We just brought them in here. Mm-hmm. Do you get a sense immediately who's going to be uh, a, a successful remote viewer, or who, you know, I mean, how do you how do you gauge this group? Is this going to be effective tonight? This these four. Folks? I think whatever they get is going to be great. So I can't gauge it right now. I want to see their sessions when they're done shortly, and then we'll be able to, to okay. really have a look at the hard facts. What are they doing world. right now? Right now, they're describing what they see, what they hear, what they smell, what they're touching. How far away are they from uh, determining uh, or guessing uh, or whatever you want to call it, the target? How far before we get results from them? Well, they're they're getting results right now. They are. They have been for the past ten minutes. Okay, mm-hmm. and they're in there at this moment. They're st- are they still listening to the the, the the music? We've turned that down. Okay, so they can uh, just keep writing. Uh, Dan, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, maybe just play a little bit of that coming out of the the break. Uh, give people at at home a sense of what they're listening to as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, we can open up the lines. Now, can people now start to call in and offer up what they think the target is? Uh, They can give us descriptions. Do you want to give the uh, the, uh, the target or the coordinates again? Sure. It's uh, 2045-2140. 
2045-2140. Those are the coordinates for a target. And uh, it's uh, in an envelope sitting right in front of me. Uh, I won't say that it's been sitting on uh, Funk and Wagnall's back porch in a sealed mayonnaise <laughs> jar, as they used to say on the uh, the Tonight Show with the, the Karnak. The, do you remember that? <laughs> All right. But it's the next best thing. And um, again... This I don't think this has ever been uh, attempted on radio, so we'll see what we get. I uh, I have um, a lot of confidence in the, the the four individuals in there. Not to put any pressure on them, but they're uh, it's a very interesting cross section of uh, uh, individuals uh, sitting in that room, and they're they're busy right now again trying to discern this topic. And again, if you have questions or comments about remote viewing, how can it uh, be used in your life to uh, for practical purposes? Uh, what are the limitations of remote viewing? Uh, maybe you've even attempted to, to remote view a, a target yourself. We'd love to hear from you again. 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. That's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740 from just about anywhere. Just a reminder, the dinosaur hunter Bill Gibbons and Vlad Eisengrim from The Paranormal Show, all upcoming. Stay with us. of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. All right, that uh, sound that you're hearing in the background is what my uh, four volunteer subjects in the adjacent studio are listening to. And uh, this is a specially uh, designed remote viewing uh, CD uh, that is, uh, again, designed, I guess, to put their, their, their brain in an uh, alpha or beta wave uh, state. And uh, the alpha and beta waves are essentially where you want to be for the most effective remote viewing. And once again, for those just joining us, uh, Joanne Crobot is uh, with us. She's in the, uh, the studio, uh, the adjacent studio right now, giving some instructions to the, uh, the, the volunteers as they uh, attempt to identify this hidden target. And the hidden target, again, is uh, in this envelope right here. The, uh, the coordinates for it are 2045-2140. And uh, they are minutes away, probably, uh, from being able to identify the target. Or we hope they will, in any event. And I thought what we would do right now is I'll just get the, uh, the volunteers in the other room to, to put on their headsets and lower their mics, and uh, we'd uh, introduce them. And uh, say hello to, first of all, why don't we, uh, we say hi to uh, Deb. Deb, can hi, you hear Richard. me? Hi, welcome. Thank H- how's you. it going in there? It's fascinating. Have you ever tried anything like this before? Uh, no, not like this. <laughs> not specifically this. Do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I feel like I'm, uh, uh, this is the Wheel of Fortune and you're my contestants. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Deb, I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, a little bit about myself. Longtime listener of you, Richard, um, and fascinated by this type of thing. I'm, I also um, have been a radio host, Radio Gallatin, and... Um, I'm very interested in this type of topic and what the the mind 
where the mind can take us. So this has been really, really interesting for me. And and uh, right now, I mean, after you were given the coordinates and you were given this two-hour crash course, are you? How how would you describe your your uh, your your feelings about what's taking place right now? I mean, are you amazed with your what, what's happening? Are you scared? Are you nervous? I'm fascinated because one of the things that I find you do naturally is second guess yourself. So the imagery that's coming to me personally, or the ideas that are flooding into my own head. Um, I, I tend, you tend to sort of self-censor and check yourself and you have to keep pushing that I have to keep pushing that block down and just letting the information flow as it comes to me um, so it's a very interesting process and of course it's been kind of a condensed process and right. we're sitting in studio um, so there's different types of distraction to keep down but um, it's fascinating I, I'm just I'm Really excited to see the images other people are getting. How we're putting this together. And, and so, in, I mean, you are you are getting uh, some uh, some some glimpses, some information. Uh, absolutely. Uh, for, for this target, based on solely on uh, these coordinates that you were given from Joanne, and also, of course, uh, the the training that you received. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Let's say hello next to uh, Donna. Uh, Donna, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thanks for, for coming in tonight. Thank you, Richard. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, sure. I'm uh, an architectural designer and I'm a sculptor. I live in Grand Valley, Ontario, and uh, just find this a very fascinating direction to take things. I've always been interested in psychic phenomena and uh, anything of the unusual. Have you had prior training as a remote viewer? Oh, not at all. Okay. No. So how would you describe what's, what's happening within yourself right now as you receive these coordinates? Are you getting images in your head? Are you getting a glimpse of what this target might be? Yes, I'm getting images. Um, I'm very visual. Um, the interesting thing is you do sort of second-guess yourself or you question whether or not you're making it up or whether you're really seeing something in your mind. <laughs> and uh, it, it's... Uh, you just have to trust and write down whatever it is that comes to your mind. And uh, are you are you shocked, surprised at this ability that you have? Yes, I'm really surprised at what's been coming through because it's not something I would normally think about. Can you see how the uh, the skill m might have some practical application mm -hmm. in your career? Yes, certainly. Um, because I am visual and it's something imagination or visualization is a big part of what I do for a living. All right. Let's say hi next to uh, Mike, who uh, we're very pleased made the trip in tonight and volunteered his time. Hey, Mike. Good evening. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I work in the emergency services, and I've always had an interest in um, things of a paranormal nature. And uh, when I had the opportunity to uh, partake in this, I thought it would be a very interesting experience. All right. Now, uh, describe to me what, what you're feeling as you're going through this process. Um, the feelings are very, are extremely varied. Um, everything from uh, thinking about things that are tactile to smells to, um, to just and just allowing yourself to flow with whatever comes into mind first, and not trying to analyze it. Too you're much. getting, excuse me, Mike. You said you're getting, you're actually getting uh, smells, olfactory sensations here based on the coordinates that you were given. Yeah, I am. Interesting, interesting. How do you think you could, you're in emergency services, you're in an, a paramedic, an ambulance driver? I work as a firefighter. A firefighter. How could you use remote viewing in your career? Uh, probably to find someone who is either down or to find myself out of a potential, um, you know, dangerous situation when there's uh, 
uh, no uh, visible landmarks, i.e. in a smoky uh, building or a room, possibly? Or perhaps even remote view the cause of a fire in an investigation? That could be very well an application of this sort. Interesting. All right, thank you, Mike. Next, thank you. Uh, uh, Albert, welcome, and thanks for coming in. Just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Richard. Um, I have a degree as a medical lab technician, and I'm very fond of Robert Arthur Menard's Freeman on the Land philosophy. All right. And just uh, briefly explain what you're experiencing. Uh, you were given the coordinates. You're getting some some uh, some sensation, uh, uh, some sensory information coming to you. Uh, how does this feel? I mean, are you surprised by this? Uh, it's challenging. We're working blind, so I went with my first impression, and and I followed that throughout. But we we didn't go past stage two, so I feel we should have spent more time with the what we could have. Uh, well, the, the, yeah, it's a, crash, it's a crash course, and this will be interesting. Uh, it, it'll be very telling to see what you can do based on two hours' worth of training. Okay, thanks but to my volunteers. Back to work you go. We'll check in with you uh, in a few moments, and hopefully you'll uh, be able to reveal some information about the target. Why don't we go to the phones, Dan? Are we good for that? Okay. Um, I don't have any names up here on the, uh, the, uh, the, the screen, so why don't you just uh, fire one up here? Or you can tell me who, who, who's, uh, who's on the line. Hello, hi. Hi, who's this? My name is Cherise. I'm calling from Illinois. Cherise, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank All right, you. did you have a question about remote viewing? Yes, definitely. I have one for your guest. Um, has she or any other experienced remote viewers in, um, re- viewed 2012? Is the world going to end like the Mayan calendar supposedly says they give they give a date and uh, so you know it's all about 2012 and the end of the world and if they have anyone she knows of has what did they see and I'll hang up and listen thanks all right thanks Cherise from uh, Illinois all right Joanne 2012 of course that's weighing heavily on everyone's mind have you been there have you seen it thanks Cherise that's a great question we haven't done that target yet actually so that's actually a good one to do, and I think this year we should do that. Now, how would that work? I mean, if you were to remote view into the future and keep going into the future, into the future, and then suddenly it's just, it's like, uh, you know, the, it's like the TV after the transmission ends. It all goes snowy. Yeah. Does that mean that's the end of everything? I don't, know what, I don't know what to expect when I do it. It's just so strange. Cause again, we're f- viewing future things is harder and really kind of, you have to be flexible with it because you don't know what's going to happen if it's really going to come true, whatever you're viewing in the future. The past is done. Right. It's there. We're all connected. And uh, the present is the present, so it's happening now. But the future is kind of a little a little far from us, Well, you know? it, particularly if you believe in the multiverse theory mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. which there are, and this is, this is how we can get around the uh, apparently, uh, for example, the... Uh, the the grandfather paradox. If you travel into the future and mess something up again, you could basically uh, you know change uh, ahead of time. Change things ahead of time. But because mm-hmm. there's a multiverse scenario, there are the the future is not fixed. That's right. There it's are many fixed. different paths. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So how do you know exactly what you're seeing today? You know, a couple of years from now is going to happen. It's so it's so hard to gauge. Tell me something in the in the past that you've remote viewed. Mm-hmm. Something in the distant past, perhaps, and uh, just tell us what happened. Well, we did one target, which, okay, this one is, and I'll tell you. We did uh, Chernobyl. 
Okay. And so this target is not Chernobyl. Um, and we all, we couldn't breathe. We felt sick. Some people just felt horrible. And that was the, that was the typical session. Right, right. Around that, just, oh, my God, the air is horrible. We can't breathe. We feel like we're choking. That kind of, and we didn't know what it was. And it was Chernobyl. But could you, could you, let's say, go home tonight and mm-hmm. decide that I'm going to remote view an event that took place in the past and uh, find out for myself what happened? Let's say, for example, you wanted to find out whether... Let me give you one that's kind of, uh, you know, somewhat controversial, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people talking about uh, President Barack Obama and where was yeah. he born? Was he born in Hawaii? Was he born in Indonesia? Was yeah. he born in, in yeah. Kenya? Mm-hmm. Would you be able to do that and discern where he was actually you born? Could, you could focus on his his birth city and then, you know, hope to get something that's unique to Kenya or unique to Hawaii somewhere. Right. So, again, it depends on the session what you get because you're getting pieces of a puzzle. So if you have enough people doing it, maybe you get 10, 20 people in a room, and hopefully they'll get something that's so unique to that city or to that country right. that, oh, okay, it's only there. You know, that it has to be so unique, because otherwise, how do you know? A tree is a tree. You know, grass is grass. Right, right, How do you right. know? Dirt is dirt. So where, no matter where it is. So you have to find, it's sort of like when uh, David was um, remote viewing for the New Jersey police, it was... So he was doing some work for them, and he also taught them. Um, there was a certain a certain smokestack he got that was in a specific location with the water that he mentioned with the grass. Right. So that was very unique, the smokestack, right? So if you can find something very unique about the session, that's why you never trust just one remote viewer. The right. more, the merrier. And that combined with actual police investigative work. Yes, yes, work, yes, you know, exactly. Uh, just hard, old-fashioned sure. police work. Totally. That's another piece of the puzzle. Can you yes. divulge whether you're you're working with any uh, police services in Ontario? I'm not right now. I'm you're not. not. But, but I did have. meet uh, Chief Fantino when he was Chief Fantino in 2004, and I showed him a session that we did on someone that was missing a little girl. And when he saw it, he just thought, oh, my God, we have got to get this into homicide. And I thought, oh, that means, like, people that have passed away. So maybe we can also find, I said, we can find live people. You you convinced Fantino that this would be a useful investigative tool. He loved it. So if you pick up the phone, uh, you know, because you, uh, you see something in the newspaper and you think you can help and you remote view, what kind of reception do you get when you call the police? I would never do that because they're going to think we're crazy. Okay. You have to have some credibility. I mean, you don't want to be like woo-woo some, you know, crazy person that looks like they just meditate all day or something. I want to really have credibility with someone. Like when I met Chief Fantino, we had dinner. We, I spent 45 minutes talking to him. Then we had dinner with a, a group of other people at a golf tournament. And he was very excited, but then he was also leaving after right, that. Right. So he didn't get a chance to implement it. I must say, I, I don't know the, the man, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that he would be that open-minded oh, to something like that. I was so excited. Interesting. Listen, I've got a woman on the line from mm-hmm. Hamilton who sure. wants to, uh, to, to guess mm-hmm. based on the coordinates. Uh, why don't we take a time out? When we come back, do you want to do you want to feel that? Well, I'll find she can guess it, and then I won't tell her yet until we look at all the no, session. No, exactly. Right. All right, Darlene and Hamilton. Great. She's going to uh, to try and determine what this hidden target is based on the coordinates. Again, if you're playing along at home and you have remote viewing skills, two zero four five two one four zero. Those are not the uh, the Super Bowl uh, lottery numbers. Those are coordinates to a hidden target. And only those with remote viewing skills will be able to identify it. That's just what we do on this program. It's called The Conspiracy Show, and my name is Richard Serrett. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers and brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Joanne Crobot can teach you how to transcend time and space in a weekend. That's not a bad deal. Again, we have four volunteers in studio. Mike, Albert, Deb, and Donna with very diverse uh, backgrounds. They've been given a, a crash course in remote viewing, and they've been given the coordinate coordinates 2045-2140. It's not important what those numbers mean. They don't uh, uh, correspond with the, you know, degrees, latitude, or longitude, or anything like that. They're just uh, numbers that I guess sort of intuitively came to uh, their instructor, Joanne Crobot, who's in studio with me. 2045-2140. And and, uh, using that coordinate and the skills that they learned in the prior two hours, they're actually uh, trying to identify a, a hidden target. It could be a person. It could be a, a place. It could be a, um, a thing anywhere in the world, which really doesn't narrow it down, does it? Anyway, that hidden target is written on a piece of paper. It's in an envelope right here. And uh, Joanne is just pouring over some initial sort of, uh, I guess, descriptions from our volunteers. And uh, she's actually, uh, I, would, I, don't, I don't know if I'll say uh, amazed or, or shocked, but uh, some of the details that are coming in here are quite amazing. While she's looking at that, let me just remind you, uh, the website, richardserrett.com, richardserrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T.com. That's your portal to the, uh, the program on all things conspiratorial and paranormal, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. You can get all the information on upcoming shows, past show archives, a book and DVD club, top secret documents, a list of my regular contributors, and uh, contact information, as well as a, um, a weekly online poll. Again, it's richardserrett.com. Please visit. And uh, speaking of the poll, this, this week's uh, poll question is, did a directed energy weapon such as HARP cause killer earthquake, cause the killer earthquake in Haiti back on uh, Jan 12th? Let me give you the, uh, the results so far. So far, 72.2% of you are saying, yes, it was a directed energy weapon. 27%, 27.8% say, no way. All right. Uh, Joanne Crobot, you're, uh, you're taking down some information here, pouring over some of the results you're getting from our volunteers. Give us a glimpse uh, into, into what you're, you're learning here. 
Well, I'm writing down some of the descriptions that they wrote down. It's amazing how uh, so many of them had the same thing. So uh, it's very exciting, very exciting. So I'm just going through. I'm not divulging anything yet, but okay. it's really are they, exciting. At, at this point, are they just writing down descriptors like adjectives, or are they actually drawing something? Some are drawing, and some are descriptive, and uh, some have both. And, and you're saying that uh, in many of these cases, all four are drawing the same thing or using mm-hmm. the same descriptors? Okay. Yep, that's right. All right. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, now, we, had, uh, we have Darlene on the line from Hamilton. Dar- Darlene, are you there? Hello. Hi. Now, you uh, are. Do you have experiences? Uh, experience as a remote viewer? Have you taken a course? No, no. I just thought it would be fun to try it. So you took down the coordinates, and you're just going to use your sort of. You're going to wing it here and use your innate. Oh, wing uh, it. Why not? Okay. So <laughs> what what methodology did you use? Not having any formal training as a remote viewer, you were given the coordinate, and and what did you do? Um, I uh, just thought I would phone at the last minute, uh, you know, just in case. Uh, but I mean, the, the coordinate. The coordinate. Did it? Did it give? Did you? I, did I you think, get a visualization of, of something? Geography. Or? I think of geography for some reason. Okay. Uh, like latitude and longitude. All right. And so, what is? What do you think the target is? We're not going to tell you if you're like right. An airplane or something like that uh, from uh, from uh, maybe from England. Uh, that's, that says I'm thinking geography. You're thinking a plane flying from England. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. All right, you know what? I'm going to write that down, Darlene. I'm not going to. I don't know what the target is. I'm not going to divulge right at the moment until we get the results from is it our. Is uh, like uh, dowsing? Is it like dowsing? That's a great question. Is it any uh, any uh, relationship to dowsing, Joanne? A little bit. There's an energy transfer, so you're still picking up energy. Okay, so Darlene, I'm going to put you down for an airplane flying from the UK. Thanks for the call. Thanks for checking in from Hamilton. All right, let's say hello to Teresa, who's in Mississauga, Ontario. Good morning, Teresa. Turn your radio off, please. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I'm Teresa from Mississauga, and I have taken the remote viewing course through jo- uh, Joanne. <laughs> I know who this is. Hi, Teresa. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. <laughs> we'll talk to you in a while. Oh, it was just a, a fantastic course. Um, <laughs> I'm, I do a lot of holistic work and uh, really interested in, you know, have had, I did have a little bit of remote viewing going on before I took the course, right, Joanne? Yeah, a little bit. That's great. Tiny, tiny bit, and so I figured I better check into this and, and really get good at it. Well, <laughs> as, as a health practitioner, if that's an accurate description, right, right. I'm thinking that one of the applications for remote viewing is, would you be able to, uh, Joanne, diagnose someone f- from a remote location? Yes, I've never done it, but uh, David was describing how to do that. You do it in stages, so you're asking questions. The more remote viewing that you take, this is coordinate remote viewing. Then there's also extended remote viewing. So let's just back up for one second. Right now, there's three brain waves. There's well, really four. Right now, we're in beta. When you do the remote viewing, the coordinate, you're in alpha. Then there's theta. And that's where you do the extended remote viewing. So you'll get deeper there. You start asking more questions at that level. Right. You'll get different answers. So you may have to do a few sessions to help somebody with something. Would you be in a, almost in a, uh, a deep trans meditative state at yeah, that point? Yeah, you have to like lie down. Because I'm thinking yeah. of someone oh, like yeah. Edgar Casey, the sleeping giant, mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. who is famous for doing these remote, uh, mm-hmm. rem- remote viewing diagnoses. And I, and I have a, a friend. Who's been on this program many times? Oh, Douglas website, yeah. Douglas Cottrell. Yeah, I'd like to who, meet him. Who hmm. does uh, remote viewing diagnosis? Hmm. So that wouldn't be one possible uh, sure. application. Teresa, let me ask you because you've taken the course. Right. I'm guessing that you took down the coordinates. Sure, I did, but I didn't get on 
the uh, air or like on the computer until about 15 20 minutes ago so I didn't do them yet <laughs> oh okay well you know you still have time if you want, even want to check in again uh, uh, before we uh, you know divulge what the target was you're certainly welcome to give it a try okay sure okay thanks for uh, calling Teresa all right let's go out to um, Indiana and say hello to Nora hello Nora welcome to the conspiracy show on AM 740 Oh, hi. How are you uh, pulling us in tonight? Are you on the internet or on the good old-fashioned radio? Oh, I'm on the radio. You're hearing us on the radio. Terrific. Yeah. Always uh-huh. like to know where the signal is uh, heard, mm-hmm. all the way out in uh, beautiful Indiana. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nora, did you have a question about remote viewing? Well, my question is concerning. I have this real strong affinity for the 40s, you know, back in the 40s, that I uh, just, just want to go back to the 40s, and I have like a sensation where I've been there before, you know, yep. were you, I connect with it. Did you, if you don't mind me asking, uh, you don't have to divulge your age, that would be a no-no, but I mean, did you, did you, were you born in the 40s, or? Well, n- no, I was born in 51. You are born in 51, okay. So, how could, Joanne, how could she use remote viewing then, uh, in her, uh, her interest in the 40s? I mean, I, she, she could literally... Sure. Visit the, the 1940s. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You can pick, um, you know, you can pick a year. You can pick just the 40s. It's your intention. So when you sit down quietly, think of the 40s in general, because you, you don't know where you want to go, 41, 49, whatever, 45. Um, and think of the intention and then write down a series of numbers like this, and you can actually do a session. You have to take a class, obviously, to really learn how to do it, you know, in detail. Right. But... There's definitely a way you can do it. All right. And, uh, Nora, if you take a remote viewing course, I've got an assignment for you. Okay. Again, tying into the conspiracy show. Go back to the 1940s. Uh, the, na- the actual date escapes me now. Uh, but uh, find out what really happened to Glenn Miller. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm sure uh, George Janescu, the, uh, the, the host of uh, Big Band Sunday Night, mm. would be also interested in all that. Oh, I tell you what, they have the best music. Doesn't he, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, and the, the whole 40s. It's the best music. Nora, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, uh, let's say hello to uh, Virginia in West Lincoln. Is that Lincoln, Nebraska? No, I'm in Ontario. Lincoln, Ontario, of course. <laughs> right there on the uh, the bench where they grow some wonderful wine. Well, okay. <laughs> yes, a little further away from me. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. All right, I'm thinking of Beamsville, um, I guess. All right, Virginia, you had a... There was a lady I knew years ago who went down to California to teach the police this sort of thing. Yes. And actually, I went to her partner or her friend when I had a break-in, and she taped everything that she told me, and, we, and she said, to make the detective aware of this, I'm going to tell you something about him that I don't know. And she told me about his family, what, how many children, what they looked like, and his wife's name. And the detective's chin nearly dropped on his floor when he listened to this. And he asked if he could go out and meet her, and we did find all the things from the break-in. Remarkable. Well, there's a testament to the, uh, the, uh, the uh, abilities of remote viewers. Virginia, thank you for that. In uh, West Lincoln, thanks for checking in. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, are we, uh, do you think we're ready to maybe go to our volunteers and find out um, from them what they think the target is? Yeah, sure. What we can do, they can, and then I also want to just discuss, I want to just go through the list of what they got. Okay, why don't we do that first when we come back? We'll cool. go through the list and, and uh, find out 
Perfect. How close our four volunteers are to identifying the target, which is right here in this very envelope, <laughs> sealed, sitting in front of my uh, a desk and the... Uh, We'll have the, fi- the folks from Price Waterhouse come in and actually read the results. <laughs> no, that's the Academy Awards. I'm sorry. I get confused. All right. Joanne Crobot is here, remote viewer. And uh, you can check out her website at knowledgeworksglobal.com. Knowledgeworksglobal.com. And uh, if you'd like to sign on for a weekend remote viewing course, that's the place to check it out. Imagine being able to learn to transcend time and space in a weekend. Time well spent, methinks. Back on the other side with more. Don't forget the Dinosaur Hunter and Vlad Eisengrim upcoming. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. All right. This is amazing. Um, do we want them to put on their headsets, our volunteers? Do we want them to hear this? Okay. Volunteers, Deb, Donna, Albert, and Mike, our, uh, our remote viewers, received a two-hour crash course in remote viewing, and they received the coordinates, 2045-2140, for the target. And uh, we've just been going over their, their notes. And this is what they've come up with so far. Uh, three out of the four identified a man-made structure, a building. Two out of the four said a house. Two said it was solid. Other descriptors that were used, concrete, brick, it's a person's house. Uh, someone here wrote tourist trap. And again, these are uh, just descriptors, Sense, uh, sensory information that's coming to them based on the, the coordinates they were given and the training they received. Someone else here says field, bumps, wood, fire. Someone says building near water. Uh, someone says, someone has written here, crescent moon, question mark. And then they've drawn some uh, pictures. Mm-hmm. Can I describe what I'm seeing here? Yes. Well, I'm seeing a... Uh, a building, a man, you know, obviously a man-made structure. It looks almost like a sort of a turret. And then someone's drawn a, a circle. And I, when I looked at that, no, I won't say that. Okay, I won't say what that is. Anyway, it's a very important symbol that they've drawn here. Uh, let me see. I think those are the important. Um, is there anything else? Person's here? house. A person's house. Yes. And this shape here, whatever you want to call that shape. Yeah, sort of a tall. Uh, a uh, almost looks like a, I don't know, a pole, tr- a pole with, with a ball on top. Yes. Very interesting. Okay. Now, show, so should we ask them um, anything else? Do, do they have any other drawings in there we can look at? I don't have any more. I have all their sessions here. That's everything. We have all their information. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could ask them what they think it is. Why don't we do that then? Based on, uh, let's start with uh, Mike. Based on... What, uh, what you gleaned from that session. What do you think the target is? Well, Richard, I think it is a log cabin. I uh, see it on the side of a sloping hill. I think there's a lake in the background. I see fields, pastures, horses, and uh, smell pine. 
So that's my, that's my that's my guess. And how was that information coming to you visually? I mean, you mentioned earlier uh, you, you smelled uh, the, the the pine, the lilacs. But how was it coming to you? Were you seeing pictures, snapshots? How was it coming to you? I had a visual of um, the log cabin on the side of the hill, but a lot of it was just um, a word. The first word that came into my mind as I was touching the uh, ideogram, I would just jot down on paper, and I just uh, just went with it. Tried to just keep the flow going. Okay, so a log cabin from Mike. Let's go to uh, Deb next. Uh, Deb, what uh, do you think the target is? (laughs) (laughs) See, ideally, we don't really ask them what they think it is, but I think it's great that you do. Let's just do it. The images were so strong. I had a really hard time discerning between whether or not it was man-made or it was natural because I was seeing some tall structure but everything around it was very natural. I too was mm. seeing open fields and a lot of green. I couldn't discern if the if the tall was um, a tower, a, a tree, um, some sort of steeple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have an exact target. <laughs> okay, but a man-made a man-made structure in the uh, middle of a, a field in with the middle a, of open a, a middle of an open uh, area and a in a tall uh, part of the structure was sort of tall there was part of the structure was quite tall okay there was for me there was water nearby as well that's and, important okay and um but i don't have an exact location all you, right you know richard what it's like it's you know when you're dreaming you sometimes can't tell what you're looking at but you kind of feel it you sort of know yes or lo- if you're looking through even sometimes um a pop bottle of some kind a soda bottle of some kind almost right. like a kind of a blurryish kind of you can't quite tell you sure, kind of have sure. a shape you well, know again this is it's based kind of what on, it's like sometimes. on two hours a two-hour course and you you went through two out of the six um, uh, stages. Stages. Yeah. Well, we really did an hour and a half. We really didn't do two full hours. We right. really did an hour and a half. Okay, but some good information yeah. there and some some specific things there. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go Huge. now. When I when I directly asked them, you said we don't normally do yeah, that. Yeah, we don't normally say where do you think you were. Well, who cares? You know, you just you're <laughs> gather. You're supposed to be just gathering information. But I love that you're asking them because it's so interesting to see what they think. All right, let's say next. Uh, say hello next to uh, uh, Donna. Hi. <clears throat> my my initial um, feeling over the whole thing was that it was a scene and it had um, a history, a historical scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a horse and buggy and I saw wheels turning with, with spokes in it and the smells and the taste of dust on an old road, but there were rolling hills behind and my initial thought was that it was um, near water. Um, although I didn't show water in any of my drawings. There's, there was a steeple in a church. That was the little drawing, and I had a little homestead as well. Um, perhaps it was a combination of the two, but I was first I saw the little house, and then I saw the church with a steeple. Um, rocks and grasses in a very, again, a very country setting, if not pastoral. But uh, that was that was hmm. the vision, and, and it was evening, and it was a crescent moon. That was my crescent moon, <laughs> because it was just hanging in the air with the the in the twilight. All right. So again, that's the the third person who's uh, identified some sort of man-made structure, a building, if you will, which is interesting. Keeping in mind that this target could be anything. It could be uh, a fish. At a, you know, at a at a at a, um, a fishmonger in Seattle, it could be a, it could be a, a, a silver coin in the pocket of 
I don't know, Bill Clinton. It could be any, <laughs> absolutely anything, anything. It could be animal, vegetable, mineral. It could be a, a location. And uh, three of you have identified some sort of a man-made structure. All right, Albert, what did you? Uh, what information did you get? We're curious to know the answer too. You're keeping us in suspense here. Uh, we're, we're off target now, but the consensus we were getting is that it's in Toronto or the local area. No, but what did you see? You not not the other group, just I, not the group, just you. We were happy with the land water interface, and I would take a wild guess like could the Black Creek Pioneer Village or circles building in a pastoral setting too. It's somewhere in Toronto, though, a Toronto landmark. But again, a man-made structure. Yes. Okay, any other details, uh, what you saw or heard or tasted or smelled? Standing outside of it and looking, <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> You're standing outside and looking at it. Okay. Yeah, and Albert drew a couple of things as well, a building with some windows. Yes. And um, he had tourist trap, brick, gray, brick building, man-made structure, right angles. Uh, let's see what else. House. He had person's house. Okay. Yeah. So uh, shall we divulge now? Shall I rip it open? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Can we have a drum roll or something? <laughs> <laughs> now, that would just be trite. That would just be cliche. Okay. All right. Okay. There it is, my, uh, my friends. It is the Taj Mahal. All right. The Taj, the Taj Mahal. <laughs> A mausoleum located in Agra, India. Well, you all know what the Taj Mahal is, but uh, now. But now look at these pictures. This is interesting. Okay. Yeah, we're looking at the pictures. Yes, uh, we've got. Um, I don't know what you would describe them as minarets. Here. Uh, but uh, I like I, a summary of all the pictures of okay. what I'm showing you. So Richard. I'm looking at the Taj Mahal, and now I'm looking at the pictures that uh, our volunteers drew, and I do see someone drew a, uh, a sort of a, a square building, but to the left is sort of a tower or a minaret. Mm-hmm. And uh, spoke? yes, this is interesting because one of the drawings was a wheel. And when I looked at that wheel, Joanne, you can vouch for this. I'm not yep. saying this after the fact. I when I looked at that wheel, yep. I said that looks like the Hindu wheel of life. Yeah, that looks like the. <laughs> and I'm like, shh. That looks like the symbol <laughs> from the flag of India. And what did I guess when I based on all yeah. these pictures? I and guessed said, the Taj Mahal. Taj Mahal. I'm like, shh. Really? <laughs> that was your guess based on our stuff. Yes. Yep. You wow. see, because I'm looking see? at the, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the Hindu wheel of life. I'm looking at tourist trap. Yeah. I'm looking at mad, ma man-made structure. Here. I'm looking at these pictures that you drew of the. It uh, looks yes. like a minaret. Now, did you? Were you in the in the other room? Were you s comparing information? Only at the only at the last couple of minutes. And okay. We were talking about what we had that was similar. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, see, uh, and I'm coming at this as a totally objective viewer, and I'm looking at all your information, and I was able to, 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 to guess, based on what you wrote down, that it was the Taj Mahal. That's not bad. That is really well, interesting. And he wasn't in our session either. He was I in our was training not. session, right? You're truly gifted, Richard. No, 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 no. no. You're the gifted ones. I was <laughs> able just to sort of to pull it all together. That but it's amazing. the learned ability. Remember, it's the learned ability. Anyone can learn to do this. This is That's why we amazing. teach class. Tourist trap. Uh, yeah. Now, the interesting water nearby, of course, the, the, the Taj Mahal yeah. is surrounded by reflection pools. Mm -hmm. And trees. And trees, indeed. Well done. Now, again, keeping in mind, you might think, well, it, you, it, the information you gave was pretty vague, but you narrowed it down to a man-made structure, a house, a building. Someone's house. Someone's house. And of all the things you could have, you know, chosen, again, it could have been animal, vegetable, mineral. Mm -hmm. So um, I say well done to our uh, yep. our uh, volunteers. A plus. Albert, Mike, 
Deb and Donna. Thank you so much for for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Richard. What are you going to do uh, going forward? Are you going to uh, are you going to pursue this? Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. We're already talking, but we want to see if that, we can uh, get a little uh, more into the session. <laughs> Absolutely. We're doing a class at our house. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Everybody to my house. In the great room. So what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what would, uh-huh. it, what would it set me back to take a weekend remote viewing course? It's 325 plus GST. 325. And for again, two, it's over. For two full days. Like, we'll do six targets. Right. Yeah, target after target after target. And again, they can go to uh, the website, uh, which is knowledgeworksglobal.com. Yeah, and they can also give me a call if you want to give my number. Yeah, You're go, welcome. Please give it, give it out. It's uh, 647-235-4986. All right. Maybe, uh, Joanne, just thinking off the top mm-hmm. of my head, in the, we, can, uh, we can think of an, another experiment to do, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily bringing in volunteers, but... Mm-hmm. Something I've tried in the past is having people call in and they, they, they have a specific target. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to know about something that happened in the past or the future. Or, mm-hmm. right. And uh, maybe I could enlist you to actually remote view that and then come up with the, uh, the answers. On this, on, you mean let's on the air? Say, let's say someone calls in uh, the week before. Oh, okay. I'll uh, open up the phones for a half an hour mm-hmm. and I'll say, what would you like... Joanne Crowbot to remote view for you, mm-hmm. and uh, someone might call in and say, "I want to know what happened to uh, you know Pan Am Flight 103 over sure. Lockerbie. Uh, who did it? Who was responsible? I sure. want to know who built the pyramids. I want to know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, is there life on Mars? That sort yep. of thing." Yeah, we can do that. We have monthly sessions that we do, and um, you know, we pick someone's home, for example, and we do like a potluck dinner. We do a session, and then we compare notes. Like a, like a like a book club, except uh, of, you're yeah. transcending space and time. Yeah, just just that. Plus, there's potato salad. Plus that. Excellent. All right, Joanne Crowbot, a real pleasure. Thank you, and Thank again you. to my uh, my volunteers, Albert, Mike, Deb, and Donna. Job well done. Thank you for this. When we come back, we'll uh, check in with Vlad Eisengrim and find out about his staging of an interesting production called The Paranormal Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. All right, our um, volunteer band of psychic warriors, remote viewers, are uh, gathering their things and uh, getting ready to exit the building. And uh, I would have to say that was uh, an unmitigated success. Uh, with their data collection and uh, my sort of objective perspective, together we were all able to identify the target, the hidden target. It was the Taj Mahal. Amazing. Okay, uh, something else amazing is uh, coming to a, uh, a unique venue near you. And uh, it's such a natural to talk about it on this program because not only do we talk about conspiracies and, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the hidden um, workings of uh, shadow governments, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but we also talk about the paranormal. And my next guest is, a, uh, is an old friend of the program. He is uh, the fiendish proprietor of uh, the Carnival uh, Diablo's World of Wonders, but he also is a, uh, a quite a remarkable uh, mentalist and uh, uh, a channeler, among other things. 
and he's got a program called uh, the Paranormal Show, which is kind of a step back in time to the uh, the the uh, the days of the or well, the Victorian era when people. Uh, this was, you know, the the uh, the the birth of the whole spiritualist movement, and people were very intrigued by the paranormal. So uh, let's uh, find out all about the the paranormal show. Vlad Eisengrim is uh, is here with us, and uh, welcome, Vlad. Good evening, Richard. Good to see you again. And good to hear you again, my friend. So, the uh, the paranormal show uh, it's uh, it's coming to a a very interesting venue down in Yorkville. And uh, so tell us a little bit about what goes on at the Paranormal Show. Well, I'm, uh, I- I'm very proud to say that the uh, Paranormal Show is actually a show that harkens back to the 19th century. It, uh, it looks at the spiritualist movement in a very strong sense. We, uh, we perform things like hypnotism, mind reading, psychokinesis, which is the movement of objects with the mind. And we end the show with a full-blown seance. Now, the cool thing about what's going to be happening in the upcoming shows in February is we're performing at the Heliconian Hall in Yorkville. Now, the Heliconian Hall was a church that was built in 1875. And um, in 1923, it was bought by um, a, a woman's league here in Canada. And this is the oldest woman's league in, in the country. And it's been around now since the, 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 the 1920s. And uh, they've turned it into a, uh, a hall for entertainments and arts. And uh, the place resonates with a very interesting energy, because at one time it was a church where it was obviously um, driven more with the, uh, the priests in mind. And now it's a, uh, a place where women generate their energies. And uh, the weird thing about it is I've looked into it, and the place actually is haunted now, by a priest. Interesting. So, do you specifically choose when you're when you're finding out, uh, figuring out where to stage the paranormal show? Are you specifically looking for older buildings that might, in fact, be haunted, or does it matter? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm doing. Every time we uh, take the uh, the show out on the road, we are always looking for um, different types of venues that are at least a hundred years old that have a rather nefarious history with poltergeist activity and paranormal type activity. Uh, we've we've played at the Campbell House here in Toronto. We've played at uh, the the Mill in Manatic, Ontario. Um, we've we've had the the uh, the fortune of playing at some of the more interesting hot spots when it comes to paranormal activity. Well, I know you just wrapped up a, a series of shows at the Paper Mill Theater yes. on a Pottery Road, and you're going to go back there again in March. Yes. So is th- th- is that place haunted? It is. It's haunted by about three different entities. And we attempted to make contact with one of them uh, on the uh, night of our performances there, and we made contact. It was actually the mother of the uh, two boys that ended up owning the uh, Todd Morton Mills. And uh, she was a very powerful woman in uh, Toronto's history because she uh, actually owned the, uh, the distillery district area and worked in that area. Plus, she, uh, <laughs> she had a bricklaying company. Uh, this is a, a female. So you're actually enlisting the, 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 the ghosts of these haunted locations into the show. Absolutely. Now, did, they did, are did, my special guests. <laughs> so, but the, the people watching, uh, I mean, do they have the sensation that 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 uh, you know that they they're being visited by by a ghost? Are they are they likely to see an apparition? Are they likely to hear one? Well, that's the thing. During our show, I actually bring out 
something that's world famous but has never really been seen very often, and it's Edison's machine to talk to the dead. Ah, yes. And um, we bring out this this wonderful machine that Edison had invented, and we put it to use, and it helps us communicate with the spirits. And it's astounding because not only do we uh, do we get activity with the machine itself, but we sometimes get poltergeist activity. And there are times where we, when we bring people up on the stage, they are actually touched or moved by the actual spirits themselves. Vlad Eisengrim is with us from the Paranormal Show, and you can uh, check out uh, the uh, the reviews of the show, the upcoming dates, uh, and uh, that's at theparanormalshow.net. Triple W dot the Paranormal Show. Uh, .net. So you just wrapped up at the um, the Paper Mill Theater on uh, uh, Pottery Road, 67 Pottery Road. And uh, again, you've got uh, shows coming up at the Heliconian Hall. That's 35 Hazelton Avenue here in Toronto. That's Feb 5, yep. 19, and 26. February 5th, 19th, and the 26th. Those are all Fridays for those that are wondering what day of the week that is. Okay, showtime's at 9 o'clock. Yeah, uh, at- doors open at 8, and here's, here's um, the, the catch. We do not pre-sell tickets, and so it's rush seating. And uh, if the doors open at 8, that's exactly when the tickets start selling. And there's only 70 seats at the Heliconian Hall. So it's going to be a rather intimate evening of paranormal and supernatural entertainment. And uh, then you're going to return uh, to the paper mill uh, in, in March. But again, people can go to theparanormalshow.net uh, to get all that information. And th- yes, the show was so successful at the paper mill that we, um, w- we've actually uh, decided to come back to the paper mill and do six more nights there in March. Ha- have you ever been frightened, uh, actually, yourself while performing a show, Vlad? Oh, absolutely. Because there, th- there are times that where um, the, uh, the spirit energy can become malevolent. And uh, it, it, uh, it can actually wreak a bit of havoc on the stage. Sometimes I've even lost props to the, uh, to the spirit activity. But, but, but obviously, uh, I mean, the, uh, I, would, I would guess that the, 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 the people that come to see the show uh, aren't in any, any danger. They don't have to Not sign a whatsoever. waiver, do they? I, I, I actually, uh, I, basically, when I'm doing the show before the show starts, when people haven't come in yet, I, um, I cleanse the area. I smudge the actual theater. And um, I kind of make peace with whatever's, with whatever's in the room before we get started. And that's important because um, when we actually do the show, I'm calling upon these, uh, these spirits, these energy forms, and um, I'm hoping that they'll play with me. And, uh, and that's really what it's all about. It's more of like we're getting to play with energy forms. It's, it's weird. I don't always believe that we're dealing with ghosts. I believe that quantum theory-wise, we might be dealing with a sentient energy from another dimensional plane. Interesting. Yeah. Are these ghosts and uh, interdimensional entities all ACTRA? That's the big question. <laughs> Are you paying God, them I, scale? I hope not. I'd be broke then. <laughs> all right. Uh, listen, Vlad, we'll check in with you again uh, and um, uh, give some... Uh, some uh, folks, some more insight into uh, the the upcoming show. But again, it's February 5th, 19th, and 26th at the Heliconian Hall, 35 Hazelton Avenue. Showtime, 9 o'clock. So you gotta you got to basically be there to buy your tickets at the door beginning at 8 o'clock. Yeah, and tickets are 30 bucks. 30 bucks, And uh, basically, you're going to witness an actual haunting uh, live on stage with uh, Vlad Eisengrim as the... Uh, the ringmaster, presenter, master of ceremonies. Wow, what a unique uh, show. I don't think there's like anything like this in the entire world, as far as I know, of Vlad. 
thank you. Actually, it, it is unique to the industry. I'm one of the first per- people to actually uh, do supernatural entertainment on stage. And, and like I said, it runs the gamut. We aren't just doing the seance. We, we, we do the ESP, we do the clairvoyance, we do the psychokinesis. Uh, we, we do a lot of things that people question in the world of the paranormal. And we try and not maybe give you as many answers as we make you want to question it even more and learn more about what we are attempting to do on stage, which well, is exciting. It sounds like a, a very, very unique uh, night out. Not your typical date night, but hey, what a great <laughs> idea. All right. Uh, the Paranormal Show, the Heliconian Hall, 35 Hazleton Avenue, Feb 5, 1926. Uh, and again, check details at theparanormalshow.net. Uh, Vlad, thanks for this. Talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. A real live dinosaur hunter on the other side. My name is Richard Serrett. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Here's another important website. It's theconspiracyshow.com, theconspiracyshow.com. If you want to keep track of what's happening with the television project, that's a great place to go. Um, all the updates on where we're at with uh, getting this, essentially bringing this radio program uh, to television, and it is progressing nicely. I can uh, also tell you that if you go to theconspiracyshow.com, there is uh, an important message that I've left for you uh, and uh, some interesting new video that you can check out. I strongly urge you to go check out theconspiracyshow.com, and there is a message I've left for you along with uh, some very interesting video. Let me also tell you that um, I've uh, had the great pleasure of, uh, of producing, writing, and hosting in the talk radio field for uh, nearly 20 years. And now, I thought it was about time I shared uh, some of my uh, experience and insight and passion uh, with all of you. So if you're interested in learning how to participate in this exciting uh, field of talk radio and talk TV and the emerging field of uh, internet Uh, radio and television as well, then I'm going to be offering a 39-hour, 13-week course uh, beginning February the 19th. That's Thursday, February the 19th at the Toronto Media and Film College. And if you go to my website, richardserrett.com, and you click on the uh, the talk radio um, logo there on the right-hand side, that'll give you all the details. And uh, deadline for registration is... Friday, February the 12th. So time is running out. It's a a very intense 39-hour course over 13 weeks. We'll have some interesting uh, industry speakers. There'll be uh, uh, some uh, some lab work, some hands-on assignments, uh, weekly assignments, and uh, nothing like it anywhere else, I can assure you. So it's uh, it's called Talk the Talk with Richard Serrett. Learn how to produce, write, and host in the talk radio and talk TV industry. Again, more details at richardserrett.com. All right, time to welcome another old friend to the program. He is an explorer, a doctor of creation science, and an actual dinosaur hunter. Uh, Bill Givens, good to see you or or hear from you once again, my friend. How are you, Bill? I'm great, thank you, Richard. It's great to be back on the show. I might actually take you back up on that offer to take your course in radio broadcasting. Well, uh, you (laughs) are becoming a little bit of a TV mogul uh, yourself, uh, uh, Bill. You were um, brought on board to do an episode of Monster Quest uh, 
a little over a year ago, uh, they became familiar with your attempts to uh, locate this mysterious creature in uh, the Central African Republic called Mukeli Mbembe, and you did an actual episode. You went to That's Africa. Correct. But, Absolutely, Richard, yeah. And now, uh, from what I understand, National Geographic is interested in doing something with you. Tell me about that. Yeah, I kind of wonder where it's all leading. You know, I'll just mention very briefly that back in 94, I graduated from the National Institute of Broadcasting in Toronto. And now we're actually doing actual field work doing uh, with, with film production companies. So it's got to be leading somewhere. Um, as you know, that was last March. That's March 2009. We were in on the Cameroon-Congo border with Monster Quest. Uh, it was with White Wolf Productions who filmed some of those episodes. And now... Um, I have been receiving some communication from a documentary production company in England um, concerning their uh, mandate to produce six cryptozoology-based shows for National Geographic television. And it really is something if National Geographic is taking a serious interest in cryptozoology and is looking at producing television shows dedicated to at least six different mystery animals, then uh, it's, the cryptozoology is kind of gaining new ground and new respect in that way. And uh, for those not uh, aware, uh, you've been tracking this creature, uh, again, Mokelium Bembe. Uh, you've been to Africa, what, four or five times now? Six times in total. I first set foot in Africa at the age of 27, back in 1985. I just turned 52, as a matter of fact. Um, so time's running out. I'm getting older, <laughs> but uh, but you know we're getting closer every time we go out. Now the reason why it's taken so long is because of all the frustrations and difficulties um, of, of working in Africa in remote locations. But we seem to have made a lot more progress in more recent years working in Cameroon. Um, and uh, you know we when we now know so much about Mokeli and Bembi that fits in rather well with all the zoological knowledge uh, we can compare this animal to uh, with regards to modern-day reptiles that we feel that we know enough about the animal to really make a major breakthrough in the, in the near future. And uh, again, the, uh, the locals in the area that you keep investigating, these are pygmies, and uh, right. they've, they, they've been obviously encountering this Mokelium bembe. The name means what in their dialect? Okay, Mokelium Bambi is Lingala. It means the one who stops the flow of rivers. And they say if the animal's back appears just above the surface of the river, the river flows around it like a large rock. Um, in the uh, Cameroons, the animal is called Lakila Bembi, which is the Baka language, and the Baka language belongs to the, the Baka or Babinga Pygmy. So, and plus we have other tribal groups in that area that um, are very familiar with the animal. And, um, in fact, when we were there with Monster Quest in March 2009, we met some people from the Bagando tribe, and they call it Maku Mbembo. But on every occasion, we ask them to draw a picture of the animal on the ground, and they all draw what is almost a perfect depiction of what we'd imagine a sauropod to look like today. Uh, a sauropod meaning a long-necked dinosaur. Long-necked, long-tailed dinosaur. These are the dinosaurs that were had the long, flexible necks and the small, snake-like head, the long tail, big, bulbous body, four powerful legs. What really interested us on the last couple of expeditions is that some of the eyewitnesses described the animals as having these dermal frills or spikes 
that run the length of the animal's head, neck, back, and tail. And that is a feature on sauropod dinosaurs, or long-necked dinosaurs, that was unknown until 1991, which really made it interesting. So, are we talking about um, uh, an apatosaurus, or what we used to call a brontosaurus here? The brontosaurus, or apatosaurus, as is known today, is a pretty big animal. These animals that we're discussing now... Um, we think go 40 feet plus in length, at least 20 feet in height. We know that um, finding their footprints on a place called Swamp Island, um, we, uh, they're heavier than elephants. A full-grown elephant weighs about 15,000 pounds, we think. A full-grown Mokillian bamboo weighs about 20,000 pounds and has a head height equal to a male giraffe, which is about 18 feet. Oh, my if, Lord. If not a little more. And um, How could some people are th- sitting listening to this bill saying, how could something so large uh, escaped, uh, you know, being, being uh, found by, by scientists, uh, biologists, cataloged, photographed, videotaped? How could that be? Good question, Richard. And the reason for that is this area is so incredibly remote. The, these vast river systems with interconnecting swamps and remote jungle lakes, very few people go there. The only people who spend any real length of time there are the native people. Now, the reason why they haven't been filmed or photographed yet is because the animals are fully semi-aquatic. Now, they're active in the wet season when the water level is quite high in the river and swamp system. So they can stay submerged under the river for some time, a bit like a hippopotamus. And some of the the deep pools in the river um, can be up to 40 feet deep in the wet season. So plenty of space and plenty of foliage and swamps and, and, and remote jungle lakes for these animals to hide. So they're very difficult to find, purely because they're semi-aquatic. Bill Gibbons, the dinosaur hunter, is with us. The website, creationgeneration.com, creationgeneration.com. Obviously, the implications here are that if this creature is, in fact, a dinosaur, and we've been taught that uh, they've been extinct for about 60 million years, uh, a few of these animals uh, uh, either survived uh, for the last 60 million or... Uh, or what? What's the other implication here, Bill? The other implication is that the creationists were right. The Earth is much younger than previously thought. Therefore, um, a living dinosaur in a time scale that's been drastically reduced would not be so surprising. Now, there's lots of other animals that have survived um, that puzzle the paleontologists. Crocodilians were well advanced uh, in their development of the heyday of the dinosaurs, and they're still around with us in several species today. Uh, turtles, snakes... Uh, the, the famous example of the coelacanth fish um, has been around for a very long time. So there's lots of so-called prehistoric survivors um, that have survived quite happily into the 21st century. The Tuatara lizard, again, according to evolutionists, was around before and after the dinosaurs. So um, I would say that uh, the fossil record is probably not the most reliable thing when it comes to dealing with dinosaur survival and extinction if Mokele and Bembe does indeed turn out to be a sauropod dinosaur, but given everything we now know about this animal, it's kind of difficult to understand what else it could be other than a surviving relic dinosaur. So what's your intention when you, when you go over there the next time, perhaps for the National Geographic? Are you hoping to capture one? Are you hoping just to get a glimpse of one, photograph it, videotape it, kill one, what? 
Well, killing one is going to be a pretty tall order, but I would say that filming and photographing one is an absolute priority at this time. Now, I should mention, by the way, Richard, that um, large animals have been discovered um, previously. For example, you remember the, back in 1992, they discovered a, a giant species of Asian elephant in Nepal. Now, Nepal is a, a relatively small country, but there was a valley there in Nepal where there was these giant stegonaut-like elephants 13 feet tall at the shoulder with massive domed head that was discovered, known for years by the locals, but first photographed by Colonel John Blashford Snell, the great British explorer and a personal friend of mine. So there's a precedent to this, and this is why it's important to engage the local people who know the area, who are intimate with the flora and fauna. So the first order of the day is to get good, crystal clear digital film and photographic evidence that Mokelion Bambi is a living animal, and then we can kind of build on that from there. Do we have any, like, uh, plaster casts of, of uh, footprints of Mokelion Bambi? Do we have any, uh, you know, sort of out-of-focus uh, photographs? Uh, any physical evidence? There's a lot of faked out-of-focus photographs that, uh, we, that I think doesn't help our cause much, but Peter Beach, who's a microbiologist from um, Portland, Oregon. By the way, I'm speaking there in two weeks' time at a creation conference. And Peter uh, went back to uh, Swamp Island uh, in 2004 when the water level had gone down, and he and elephant tracker Pierre Seamer and my good friend Brian Sass found these big elephant-like footprints in the mud, and he was able to make a number of very good plastic casts of those, including plastic casts of, of a large scalloped claw that the animal has. And uh, interestingly enough, this compares very favorably to large prominent toe claws that some sauropods had that paleontologists thought were used for defending themselves against predators, but the locals tell us they used these large claws to clear out uh, caves and chambers which the animals will hibernate in during the course of the dry season. So more and more interesting data is coming our way all the time. And Bill, you've got, uh, from what I understand, the definitive book on uh, Mokeli and Bembe coming out. In fact, it's being sent to the publisher almost as we speak. Exactly. The new book, um, I think the title now we've settled on is Mokeli and Bembe. Um, Swamp Monster of the Congo. And basically this book has been the culmination of my 20 years of research and the last three chapters in the book which are dedicated to Mokeli and Bambi and the Ngubu, that's the horned animal, and the Yoli, a snake sort of snake-like, dragon-like creature, um, contain a great deal of good, solid, breakthrough, new information that people have never read before. I've even included an interesting lexicon in there of Baka English words and Lingala English words um, for interested readers, but, uh, but it's, so far it's 275 pages. When the illustrations and the maps are added, it would probably be even more, but I promise you and your listeners faithfully, this is the definitive work on Mokele and Bambi and will be for some time to come. And if you come back with photographic or video uh, uh, evidence, uh, you know, definitive, uh, I mean, this will require, you know, a, a rewriting of the textbooks. It will. Um, it would certainly come as a shock, a, a rather rude awakening to many scientists. Uh, they did have a skeptic on the show, and it's perfectly all right to be a skeptic. Uh, Dr. Donald Prothero, um, Occidental University of Los Angeles, who is a, a geologist, and he teaches geology and paleontology. And he made two statements which I thought were very 
unqualified for him to make. He First of all, he said that in all probability, Mokili Mbembe doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> that is a, a silly statement to make, considering that he's never interviewed any eyewitnesses. He's never visited that area. He's never interviewed eyewitnesses uh, and, uh, and uh, conducted his own research. The second um, statement that he made was that um, the tribes people there have a different perception of what is real than we do. Well, I can tell you that the, the Baka people that we know do not have mythical animals as part of their belief structure. You know, all the animals that they refer to are real animals. Bokele and Bembi or Lakila Bembi is just as real and just as part of the natural phenomenon there as the elephant and the hippo. Uh, they just don't like them because they're, they're much more dangerous if you get close to them. Uh, but it will certainly be a very rude awakening if we do get good, crystal clear film footage of Mokele and Bembi. And it will certainly cause many scientists to seriously reconsider uh, what they have believed all along regarding an evolutionary time scale and what they have been taught and what they have taught regarding dinosaur survival and extinction. All right, uh, Bill, listen, uh, let me know when uh, Mokele Mbembe uh, is available to book buyers. We'll get you back on the program and uh, talk about that uh, once again. And uh, also keep us abreast of the situation with uh, the uh, the possible television project with National Geographic in which you'd be involved. Very exciting news, Bill. Well, it certainly is, Richard, and uh, as you know, I will be keeping you informed every step of the way. All right, there he is, Bill Gibbons, also author of Missionaries and Monsters, available at Amazon.com and his website, creationgeneration.com. Back with a few closing comments. Stay with us. everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Thanks once again to our special volunteer remote viewer uh, panel, including uh, Deb, Donna, Albert, and Mike, and of course, uh, Joanne Crobot, our uh, remote viewer. That was uh, quite an interesting experiment, and perhaps we'll try that again sometime in the future. Coming up on the program next week, that would be Sunday, February the 7th, we'll speak with uh, Fred Joseph, uh, who is a, um, quite, he has a quite an interesting take on American prehistory. Uh, in other words, who discovered uh, the New World and when and who was here first. It certainly wasn't Columbus, he says. He wasn't first, he was last. Uh, and... Uh, it's really uh, about suppressed archaeology and uh, the fact that our the, the true nature of our our past here in North America is being kept from us. The question is why? So we'll talk about uh, ancient America with uh, Fred Joseph next week on the program. And uh, let me see. We also have a um, an afterlife panel coming up. What happens after we die? We'll do that for the full two hours. Probably that'll be on the uh, the 14th, which is two weeks uh, from tonight. I look forward to your uh, your feedback. What do you like about the show? What don't you like? Who would you like to hear on the show? 
And you can get in contact me uh, in contact with me uh, a variety of ways. Uh, you can do that through the website if you'd like at richardserrett.com. And the email address is richard at richardserrett.com. The last name is spelled S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T-S-Y-R-E-T-T. i got to share a, uh, a little story here very quickly if I can. And uh, once again, it involves the twins, uh, who we had up on skates for the very first time today. And their pins were a little wobbly, to say the least, but uh, they've got a skating party next week. So uh, it was great to get them up on skates. It was one of those... One of those iconic moments as a Canadian father, right, to have your, your, your boys up on ice skates for the very first time. And it was bitterly cold, but they were such great sports about it, and they were really trying, and I tell you, it just, uh, it's a wonderful feeling. However, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my, uh, my, my late father's last remaining brother uh, passed away. He was 84. And uh, there were, my, my dad was one of 10 children. My dad died in 1986. My, uh, my Uncle Tom just passed away. There are now two left out of the ten. Uh, my Aunt Edna and my Aunt Marion. Both uh, almost 90 and uh, 93. So two left out of the ten. Anyway, so uh, I, I rushed to, uh, to, uh, to be by my, uh, my uncle's uh, side to see him um, just before he passed away. And... Uh, a couple days later, of course, the, he had passed in the funeral. And um, both my boys were sick. So uh, the mighty Aphrodite stayed home with them, and I rushed uh, to, to, the, uh, to the funeral. And uh, I came back, and North says to me, So, did you bury Tom? Just like that. <laughs> Just so matter of fact. And although it was a solemn occasion... I couldn't help but laugh, you know. He's just, uh, that's a three-year-old for you, right? So, did you bury Tom? <laughs> yes, we did, North. Anyway, uh, I, uh, I got a kick out of that. I thought I'd share it with you. Listen, I hope you'll be along for the ride next Sunday night. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, and what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.